Good morning, everybody. If you're visiting with us this morning, it's great to have you with us. And uh, we are on a journey uh, with the children of Israel. We are looking at the book of Joshua, and we have arrived at Joshua chapter 3. So that will come up on the screen if you haven't got a Bible, but I do encourage you to find it in your own book, Bible, phone, tablet, whatever you've got with you that's got it on, and to... uh, we're going to kind of do this slightly different to what I normally perhaps preach, um, looking bit verse by verse to just go up. But uh, we're really at the beginning of the children of Israel's mission. We're right at the start of it. They've not been on mission until they get to this point. They've been journeying through the wilderness and uh, with the intent of going to the promised land, but going round in circles a bit not yet on their mission. But here they are, they're moving now into mission mode. And it's a different thinking. And for us to get ourselves and transfer from just going around the same old bit of mountain again and again to get into mission mold, uh, mission mindset, takes a whole different shift. And we have to choose to actually think more missional than we already perhaps are doing. And it was a drastic shift for the children of Israel to actually make that choice because they hadn't had to fight for anything or do anything for anything. When everything is handed to you on a plate and it's wonderful and our kids expect that from us, don't they? Everything handed on on a plate. They don't have to work for and they can just get it and it's supplied for them. That's how kids are. They were like kids. They uh, spent everything to be handed to them on a plate. In a sense, they were, had food, clothes didn't wear out, shoes didn't wear out. They were on this journey, and it had been great for years, 40 years of it, actually. But then they're on this mission now to take the land of what God had promised to them. And whether they really grasp it or not at this point, they're about to be thrown into the deep end, as it were. And sometimes God's great at just taking us from our nice, comfortable position and dropping us in the deep end. It kind of gets our attention a bit, doesn't it? And he's good at doing that sometimes. But they've got some way to go. So as we start, if we look in verse uh, verse 1 then of chapter 3. Early the next morning, this is after the spies have arrived back, they reported back having met Rahab. And what a great story of salvation that is. Um, But early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove. Left suburbia. Because that's what it says to you there, isn't it? I mean, uh, Dave mentioned it sounds a bit like uh, some 80s sitcom, Acacia Grove. But it sounds like really nice suburbia, Acacia Grove. Wouldn't you like to live in Acacia Grove? Does it sound like a nice place to be? A nice place to dwell? But they're having to leave. So they leave suburbia and arrive at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camp before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never travelled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half, 
half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. So there's clear instruction on this mission they're suddenly thrown into. They've already lifted camp. They've travelled three days and now they're by the Jordan. They're by this river. And uh, then they've got instruction. Now they've camped three days later. We're going to break camp and we're going to go and cross the Jordan. The instructions are really important. We're not great at following instructions, are we? Some of us don't like to be told what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And there's nothing worse than a man being told how to do something. We don't read the instruction manuals, but then when your wife tells you how you perhaps should do it, we don't always like it, I found, personally, speaking from experience. And yes, the ladies are all pointing their husbands, (laughs) looking at them, saying, yeah, don't like it. But actually, it's really important we listen and we obey. So if we are going to be successful on any mission for God, it's really important we listen and obey the instructions. Do we agree? Good. Because actually, failure to do so, we end up in a mess. And sometimes in our lives, and I know it's true for all of us, because I've done it and others have done it, we get to a position where we think we know better than God. We think we can sort this out quite well without him. He's got us this far, but we now know what to do. I've been here before. And uh, I know that's true for me when I've done, particularly when I've been doing some healing ministry. Um, Particularly, I've kind of had a lot of experience in praying and ministering to people and helping them get free from the past stuff that's uh, hurt their lives and messed up. And I got to a point one day where I kind of, something would come up and I think, I know how to deal with that. I've dealt with that before. I know exactly how to deal with that. And then you kind of wade in there and realize, actually, I don't know how to deal with that. I need God and I need the Holy Spirit and I need him to teach me and I need him to train me. And I, I came to a place where my prayer became, God, please send me back to those naive days when I had to rely on you because I hadn't got a clue what I was doing. And it's really important. Sometimes it's not wrong to be naive in God. Actually, we need to be naive to follow the instructions because we don't know better than God. And we haven't got all the answers, only God has. And they were not going to make it even across a river without instruction from God. It would not have happened. So it's really important they follow these instructions. Now, we come and look at the ark, and I don't know if you knew what the ark was. A picture will come up of what the ark of the covenant looked like. So this is it. It was a box made of acacia wood from acacia grove. And um, inside were the two tablets with the uh, Ten Commandments on, and it was believed Aaron's staff was in the, kept in there, and then you've got the two cherubims on top who face each other. But this marked the presence of God. So wherever this box, seemingly just a box, seemingly it was late, the top was covered in gold, and it was carried by the Leviticus priests, and, uh, but it was the presence of God. It signified to the people of Israel, this is where God is. So the instruction to follow this box 
was actually to follow the presence of God. But they weren't to come too close. Now, thankfully, because of what Jesus did, we can get very close to the presence of God. We don't have to be afraid of the presence of God. We don't have to be afraid of drawing near and getting close. But in those days, they had to be. Because actually, if they touched this box, other than the priests that were assigned to carry it, they would possibly die. So it's really important they followed the instructions real well. But it's, it was also important that they followed the presence of God. You see, if we're going to do anything to take what God has promised to us in our own personal lives and as a company of people, believers together, if we're going to take anything for God, we're going to have to follow what he says and follow his presence. Because not following his presence will lead us into all kinds of trouble. Following the presence of God will lead us into seeing fulfillment of the promises of God. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. He was not an independent. He was not some independent superhero that came to earth to rescue man all on his own. He was there to fulfill what his father gave him to do. And whilst on earth, he only did what he saw his father doing. So too, it was important for the Israelites, they only did what they saw the presence of God was going, where he was going. They were going on a path they'd never traveled before. Going on a journey that they'd never been. And I think for us, God's been establishing Church in the Peak for 30 odd years now. And actually we are going to be taking journeys in the future that are on paths that we've never been before. We're going to be taking ground that we've never taken before. We're going into places of the Peak District we've never gone before. We've never had influence. We've never had opportunity. We've never pressed into. We never thought we could press into. And suddenly, God's opening up things for us. For out of here, God says, fill this for the big picture. Fill this place for the big picture of reaching the peaks. It's a way we've never been before. So it's really important we follow the instruction of God. And we are a people who are shaped and led by the prophetic. That is... God speaking to us here and now, not just through the word of God, but actually through the prophetic gift of prophecy, speaking to us, leading us and directing us, and leading us on into what God has promised for us. So for them, it was really important to follow the instructions. Because failure to do so would have led to disaster. And I just want to kind of lay out that warning, true for us, not to follow Jesus, will lay up disaster for us. Following Jesus. Now, of course, the other side of it is, it's never going to be easy, is it? I led a friend to, to Jesus some years ago, and from the moment he became a Christian, he had trouble in his life, <laughs> like never before, because he was a Christian. And he said to me, he said, if somebody had told me it was going to be like this, I'm not sure I would have made that decision. There and then he said, but I'm so glad I did, because I know God's with me. But it's never always easy. But God is with us. If we're following the presence of God, God will be with us. So to follow these instructions was that when you see the ark move, 
So when we see the presence of God move, move with it, follow. They, now, they've been used to that in some respects in the desert because they followed the cloud by day and the fire had rested by night. So they've been used to following the presence of God around, but this was different because there was no cloud, there was no pillow, there was just a box. It was in, uh, covered with gold that they were to follow. It was the presence of God. And they were to keep their distance about half a mile behind and make sure, make sure you don't come closer. Now, that picture right up there, of course, you look at the, uh, if you've seen the uh, films of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and of course, that's one of the things that they go looking for is the Ark of the Covenant, and that's what they're searching for. They want to get close, and they want to look at it. And you would, a thing that was looked beautiful, laced with gold, you'd want to look at it, wouldn't you? You'd want to get, and get close, and you know, many of us are kind of touchy-feely, so we'd like to get our hands on it. And have a feel and just see what that gold's like and see what the acacia wood's really like. If you like wooden things and things carved and made of wood, me and wood don't mix. I don't do things out of wood very often. Although some of you may have seen on Facebook my picture I built of a uh, wood store out of old pallets. Still standing, amazingly. I'm surprised. But I, me and wood don't mix. But you imagine this thing and they want to get close, but you can't. But it's so great that we can get close to the presence of God. And I want to say to us as a church, let's be good at getting close to the presence of God. Because that's where God's at work. That's where God's doing things. That's where we're going to start to see outbreak of the miraculous amongst us is when we get close to the presence of God. So how close are you? How near are you to the presence of God? How near are you to getting that touch of heaven when you get close to God? God's, Jesus has made the way for us to get close. And that's the difference between the Old Testament and the New. As we sang in the song, the veil was torn, we can get close. We can come right into the holy place and we can get close to God. So I want to say we need to be, and I'm encouraging us to be, and we're praying to be a people of the presence of God. Who, knew, who know what he's saying and know where he's leading and we follow. Not even an amen. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? So, first point then, follow the presence. The next verse, verse 5. I'm trying to read it off my phone, so I'm going to keep my notes on me. No, no, it's not the glasses. It's not the glasses. I've got my glasses with me. Yeah, no, no, no. Verse 5. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders amongst you. Purify yourselves. There's something about being clean before a holy God. There's something about dealing with things in our lives, dealing with the sin, the rubbish, the muck, washing ourselves clean. That actually is really important, particularly when we get near to the presence, but actually if we're going to see God do something amazing. And this was it for them, is purify yourself because God's going to do something amazing. And I want to say it's time... 
to purify ourselves. We've been made clean, yes, by the blood of Jesus. Yes, we're justified by faith, just as if we'd never sinned. We are cleansed and we stand righteous before a holy God because we belong to Jesus. That's true and that's right, but there are still things that maybe we need to be cleaned of. Jesus washed the disciples' feet because their feet were dirty. The rest of their bodies have been cleaned. And he said, you don't need the rest of your body cleaning, actually, but your feet are dirty. We pick up stuff as we go around in this world. And actually, we need to just clean it off and to purify ourselves. There's a measure of what we can do. Make good choices. Make right choices. Don't allow ourselves to be ensnared by the enemy. Don't listen to his lies Don't take on board some of the things that uh, he would want to plant in our mind. Let's just get rid of them. And let's focus on Jesus. And let's focus on the presence. And let's spend time in the presence of God where actually we won't find ourselves being tempted by other things when we live in the presence in the same way. So it's time, if we're going to see God do some of the miraculous, and we're praying for that, and I'm longing for that, and my heart is we want to see outbreak of the miraculous signs, wonders, miracles, then let's purify ourselves. Let's be right before God. Let's stand right. Let's have a clean conscience before God. Because that's what it amounts to at the end of the day, is when we come before God, is our conscience clear? We've taken communion this morning. Is our conscience clear before holy God? Or are we aware? Maybe there's things I just need to deal with. Maybe there's something I need to just uh, ask forgiveness for and actually make good choices not to do again. And ask for God's help and maybe get somebody else to be accountable too who can also stand with us in those times. Because we can't handle everything on our own. We're not made that way. We're made to be interdependent people. Standing with one another, supporting one another, and helping one another break free and, uh, and in the struggles times. You see, this company of people had only heard the stories of their ancestors, of the miraculous, wonderful things God had done. How he led them out of Egypt how he brought them through the desert, into the desert place. And and actually, even then, that generation failed because of sin, because they weren't clean, because they didn't watch what they said, what they did, how they acted. And so they didn't see the promised land because of it. But they heard the stories of the miraculous signs, uh, God getting them out of Egypt, and now God was about to do something that will parallel what had happened previously for their ancestors. This was a whole new generation. And now see what God will do for them. And I love hearing stories about what God's doing around the world. And God's on the move all over the world. Miraculous signs, wonders happening in places all over the world. My only cry is, God, please do it here. Please do it here. I don't want to hear the stories. I want to be part of the story. 
I want to be included in the story. I want to be part of making those stories happen. I want to be part of telling that story of what God has done for us and through us as a company of people to fulfill his promise to us. Let's move on. Because time's moving on. Then the Lord told Joshua, verse 7. I'm sorry. I'll go back to verse 6. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. And the Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Now, I don't think that box was particularly light. Two big tablets of stone, ten commandments written on them. I think that was pretty heavy. And you've got four guys carrying this and holding this. And step into the river and stay there until everyone's crossed. They're going to be there a lot of hours. Because there are a lot of people to cross a river. Also, it says, as we read on, the river was in flood. Now that's a crazy thing to do. You're going to step in a river when it's in flood. It's the last thing you want to do. We have a brook that runs through our garden. And back in the end of September, we had some really heavy rainstorms. And our brook was in flood. So was our garden in flood. Because it came right up and over the garden. And it was rushing down at some force. If I had stepped into that brook, just, uh, just being a brook, if I had stepped in, I'd have been washed away because of the power of it. So you're saying to these guys who are carrying this thing, go and stand in a river when it's in flood. You see, when, sometimes when God asks to do something, it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always add up. And you think, that surely can't be God, because he'd make it easier than that, wouldn't he? Because he's God, and he'd make it easy for us. So we'd be able to do it. It's not how God works, I've found, very often. Actually, when God asks us to do something, we come up against difficulty. We come up against something that is beyond our ability to make happen and do. And we have to rely on God. And I think that's the point. It's not what we can do in our strength, it's what we can do in his strength. It's not what we can do to to help God on the way. It's actually what we can do to fulfill the promise of God. So their mind could have been, well, let's build a boat. See if we can get across in a boat. Or let's build a bridge. Bridge over the River Kwai. Let's, uh, Let's put something together that actually helps us get across a lot easier. Well, no, they're told to go and step into it when it's in flood and the possibilities they'll be swept away and they are with it. It's beyond what they had ability to do. And so they had to trust, they had to believe and they had to put their faith in what God had said. And they said earlier on in 
at the end of chapter 1 that they would obey Joshua just as they obeyed Moses. So actually, they'd made that choice. Now it was going to be tested. Are you going to obey what Joshua says, because God's told him, or are you going to do your own thing? And sometimes I have to question myself, am I going to do what God tells me, or am I going to do my own thing? Am I going to do it my way, or am I going to do it God's way? Am I going to try and help God out in this? Am I going to make it easier for myself? I'm just going to trust God and do it his way. And that, I think that was the challenge here for them. Are we going to go God's way? Are we going to do it God's way? Even though sometimes that doesn't make sense. Even though sometimes we think that's really hard. That's going to be difficult. That's going to be challenging. I don't know if I can do that. If God's calling us to move on and do something, then I get a sense that we should do it. So for us, a first step in our mission to take the Peak Districts, this journey that we're on, this mission God's given us, we're stepping our foot out into the water, as it were, into Hearst Farm. And we want to bless a community with the good news of Jesus. We want to go and bless that community with a fun day because actually we want to express something of the kingdom and we felt God spoke to us about it. We felt God's planted us here in this building on the edge of that estate for a reason and a purpose. Therefore, let's make the most of it. And let's step out. So even prayer walking, it's a simple thing to do. But it takes faith and courage to go and walk around an estate and begin to pray. And if you pray out loud and you start walking around like this, people might start thinking you're crazy. A friend of mine called Mike Springer, he went to Pensacola when there's kind of a move of the Spirit of God there. And on the flight back, uh, he was, they were fly, just flying over New England. And God said to him, I want you to put your hand in the air while you fly over New England because I am going to do a new thing in England. And I'm going to make England new. So flying back, he's on this flight and he sits there with his arm like this. And the flight attendant keeps coming to him saying, yes, sir, can I help you? Is there something you want? No, it's all right. Fine, thank you. And he sat there for a couple of hours with his arm up in the air. Asked again and again, is there something I can get you? Do you need any help? Everything okay, sir? No, I'm just being obedient to God. It looks stupid, I know. It's ridiculous. My arm aches, holding it up for two hours. But it was in response to what he felt God say to him. And even though it can look stupid, it doesn't mean it's wrong. Even though others question it, it doesn't mean it's wrong. Is what we need is to know it's God. And we need others to discern and know it's God. And we need to know as a company of believers, as people of God here, church in the peak, for the peak district, this is what God's saying and this is what God's doing. Because otherwise, we're not going to be successful in taking the land unless we are convinced. And you're not going to be convinced by my preaching, I know that. You're going to be convinced by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that is my prayer. 
that you will be convinced by the conviction of the Holy Spirit that actually what God is telling us to do, what God's calling us to do, is of God and not of man. We exist not because it was somebody's good idea to start a church because they were disgruntled with other churches and thought, well, I'll just do my own thing. We exist because God spoke and said, I've got a plan for the Peak District and I want you to be included in it and we're going to take it for the, God, for the kingdom with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see many, many people come to faith in Jesus Christ, not because of, uh, we're a good or bad church, but because of the king, the king of the kingdom, who says, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to fulfill what I've promised. Amen. So, if that's the case, I'm going to rush ahead, because time's just about gone. So... Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21. I'm reading this from the SV version. I've read the other from the New Living Translation. It says this. Now may the God of peace, who brought again, brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal government, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in as that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you. We don't know who the writer of the, to the Hebrews was, but they're writing this actually as a, an appeal, saying, may the God of peace raise Jesus from the dead, actually equip us with everything good. You see, God doesn't call us to do anything without equipping us to do it. He doesn't lead us into anything without having anything to, to help us and equip us to go and do it. He said to the disciples, take nothing with you in terms of material things, but actually they took with them the presence, the Holy Spirit, with them into every place they went, and they saw the miraculous signs and wonders take place. What more do we need than the presence of God? When we're praying on Thursday night on some streets, what more do we need than the presence of God to be with us? And a comfy pair of shoes, actually, perhaps. But we need the presence of God. Because without his presence, we need him. And he will equip us with everything good to do his will. Everything good. He'll not give us anything bad, not give us anything unnecessary. He'll not lay us down with any burdens. He'll give us everything we need to do what is good. He'll give it to us. And he'll lead us in. Now the latter part of the story is that they cross the Jordan on dry ground. There's a parallel to the miracle that happened at the Red Sea. Where they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, so to here the waters climb up like a wall and they're held back and they go back, way back, it says, a distance back to another town and the water beneath flows off into the Dead Sea, and they all cross on dry ground. Who says God doesn't do the same thing twice? In this case, he paralleled the same miracle, that they may know 
the same miracle that brought them out of slavery brought them, was going to bring them into the promised land. You see, God was bringing them out to bring them in. And God brought you out to bring you in. He brought you out of slavery. He brought you out of darkness. He brought you out of sin to bring you into his glorious light and freedom and joy and peace and grace when he rescued you and saved you. He brought you out to bring you in. And he's doing exactly the same here with the children of Israel. He was bringing them out of Egypt, out of that place of slavery, to bring them into his promise and into a land that was so good, so fertile, it was said to be flowing with milk and honey. God only has good. And we've sung lots of songs about God being good this morning. He only has good for us. And he only has good for you as an individual, good for your life, good for your situation, your work, your home, your family, whatever it might be. God has plans to do you good and not to harm you and to bring you into his goodness. This land was his goodness for his people. They were his precious people. He loved them just as he loves you, just as you are precious to him. He wants to bring you in. And if you don't yet know that, if you've not yet entered that place and been brought out of sin and into life, I want to encourage you, get to know Jesus. Because that's what he does. I'm going to finish with the last verse. Hebrews 13 again, but verse 9. I can just find where it is on here. says this, he's a great shepherd of the sheep. In verse 9 it says, For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. I just think, I, I, I want to finish at that point. Actually, I think that's what God wants to do this morning. He wants to strengthen our hearts with grace. He wants to strengthen your heart for what he's called us to be together, called us the heart of individual and the heart of this church to be strengthened with grace. So do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefit those who devoted to them. Let's allow the grace of God to strengthen our hearts. Shall we stand together? Thank you, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just welcome the Holy Spirit right now. Just, uh, why don't you just put your hand on your heart. If we're going to strengthen our hearts in grace, let's just pray for our own hearts. Let's just put our hand on our hearts. And I'm going to pray, and I encourage you to pray as well, that you be strengthened in your heart. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Lord, we want to thank you for this mission that you've called us to be a part of. We want to thank you for the call of God upon us. We want to thank you that, Lord, you are going to give the P District into our hands. Lord, we are going to take it for the gospel. It's what you have promised. It's what you have planned and purposed. And we're right at the beginning of this mission, it seems, God. We're right at the start of something here. And so, Lord, I want to pray for each one of us now that our hearts will be strengthened in grace.
Father God, right now, Holy Spirit, would you come to us and would you strengthen our hearts in grace right now? Lord God, where there's things in our hearts, where we've harboured things in our hearts right now, Lord, where your grace, it's your grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Lord, it's your grace that affirms us as children of God. Lord, it's your grace that tells us that we're justified and uh, freely by grace. That uh, It's your grace, Lord, that tells us that we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. So, Lord, I pray now, let your grace be applied to each of our hearts. Let this grace come right now. Holy Spirit, let this grace come on us. Let this grace from heaven rest on us right now. Spirit of God, come things that are in our heart, dark areas of our heart, let your grace penetrate right now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We want to be strengthened by you. And by your grace upon us. By the call of God upon us. That we would follow your presence. That we would be a people of your presence. That God, we know what it is to live in your presence day by day. Moment by moment. That Lord, when we come together there's such an intensity of your presence amongst us that, Lord, we, even if we can't stand because of your presence. Lord, we can't. We just have to get on our knees. We fall to the floor as, as John did when he saw you in your presence and fell on the floor as though dead. Lord, I want to pray. Lord, we will know the intensity of your presence like that. Lord, where the cloud of the glory follows us wherever we go. Where your presence dwells, we want to be. So come, Spirit of God. So come, Spirit of God. We're here for a purpose. You're here for a purpose. I feel there's somebody here. God would just say to you, you're here for a purpose. Even probably your first time here today, you're here for a purpose. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. You're here for a purpose. Someone feeling lost. You're not sure what is the right place. What is the right place to go, right way to go? God says, I brought you here for a purpose. I brought you here today to speak to you. I brought you here today to captivate your heart with fresh vision. I brought you here today to captivate you again with me, myself, my presence. That you would be so in love with me that again you'll be captivated by me afresh. Oh, come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Strengthen us in grace. Be strengthened in grace. Let your heart, let your heart, allow your heart, allow it to be strengthened in grace right now. Spirit of God. Spirit of God.